1: a day podcast.
0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. A nice, easy, breezy, airy episode for you today. Don't think it's gonna take too long to go over, but I think it's fun to take a look at which of these Green Bay Packers are in a contract year and look at it from really two different angles. One, from a player standpoint, that some of these players have a ton to gain by going out and having a really big season and potentially setting themselves up for a huge contract next year, whether whether it be with Green Bay or with another team. And then more importantly, maybe as a Packer fan is which of these players has a ton of incentive and really all of these players, but in, you know, going out and balling out and having a really huge season in an effort to get those big contracts next year. And hopefully a lot of these players go out and prove themselves and have amazing seasons. And, you know, sometimes we see players with contract years all of a sudden, that play gets a little bit better. The focus gets a little bit more intense, and all of a sudden, some of these players have massive years when that contract is on the line. So, wanted to go over some of those key players who are in contract years and go over what it could mean for the player as well as what it could mean for the Packers this upcoming season. So, let's kick this. I'll, I'll start by saying this too this is not meant to be an all-encompassing list. So there maybe is a player at the bottom of the roster that I am missing here that might've been on a final year of his deal. The majority of those players who are that I might not be covering, the reason that I'm not is it's because either A, it just doesn't matter, B, it's an exclusive rights free agent, or C, it's a restricted free agent. So Green Bay still holds on to their rights. But if you're like, hey, actually, Andy, Austin Allen is on a one-year deal and you didn't discuss, I'm not trying to discuss every player, I'm trying to go over the ones that potentially matter, probably have a couple players on this list that we didn't even need to go over, but we'll go over them anyway. So just wanted to point that out to begin with. But first and foremost, let's go over a couple running backs on the roster. And I think one of the really big names on this team that is in a contract year and has a ton to gain and has a lot of incentive to go out and have a huge year for the Packers is AJ Dillon. The other running back is Patrick Taylor. Both of these players will be unrestricted free agents in the off season next year. And both of these players certainly have a lot to gain, but Dillon, the key one here, right? Dillon's interesting, like super, super interesting. in the fact that he's had three pretty good seasons. Now, has he lived up to his second round pick? I would probably say no for a running back. Remember, like running backs are premium selections when you're taking them, even in the you know even in the second round, third round is where it becomes a little bit more normal and beyond. But second round is still a premium selection for a running back. First round, you better be a Bijan Robinson or a Saquon Barkley or someone like that if you get in the first round conversation. So a second round pick, very premium pick for a running back. I, I would argue that that has not been lived up to quite yet, but. I'll say a couple things. A, really hard not to root for AJ Dillon, right? Consummate professional, has been the mayor of Door County, great teammate. Has like not caused any sort of fuss or issue with having to be the number two guy behind Aaron Jones? That has not been some like some guys would not be in that like if they were a second round pick at running back had to come in in their first you know three seasons in the NFL and now fourth season and just be a backup basically. And I know he gets a lot of playing time in comparison to you know Aaron Jones, or at least it's pretty close to even. um, But still, that wouldn't fly for some running backs that were taken that early. So he's been like I said the consummate professional in that regard. And when he's in the game, like he's been good. I wouldn't say he's been great. I wouldn't say he's been a game breaker. I wouldn't say he's a game changer, but he's been good. He certainly hasn't been bad. And I get the argument and I probably lean a little bit more on this side of things where, you know, you have to start becoming a little bit more of a playmaker and getting through that first line of defense and challenging the second level and just bringing a little bit more to the table. This is a playmaking league, and you ha- your playmakers have to have the ability to get some 30, 40, 50, 60-yard gains. We haven't really seen that from A.J. Dillon, but you watch him, and it's like, well, he pass protects pretty well. He catches the ball out of the backfield pretty well. He runs the ball pretty well. Like, there's not anything that he does poorly, and like I said, I would like to see him break a few more tackles. I would like to see him be a little bit more explosive, a little bit more game-changing, but he's still a good player. And I've talked about it. I don't know how many times now, but I do think that sometimes Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, sort of counterbalance each other. Jones gets going, and all of a sudden, Dillon comes in. Dillon gets going, and all of a sudden, Jones comes in. And I do think sometimes that hurts both of those bats. That the fact that the other one is also getting a lot of carries. So I, I see where things are at. We've we've also seen. A.J. Dillon's best games be when he does get the lion's share of the load, That, that Tennessee Titans game that we can go back to a few years ago where he actually got the bulk of the carries and gets, you know, what, over 100 yards. He outplayed Derrick Henry in that game. Like, we've seen some very good performances from Dillon when he actually gets in that rhythm, in that momentum, and starts getting the ball a little bit more. So I don't think certainly anyone is hoping that Aaron Jones has anything that would happen that would cause him to get less carries. In fact, I think we're all hoping that Aaron Jones gets more carries this season than maybe we've seen in the past, but there's still a world in which AJ Dillon You know whether it's Jones misses a game or two here or there or just isn't going well or whatever the case may be. And even even if both running backs stay completely healthy, we know that Dylan's gonna get a healthy share of you know snaps on this team. So there's a world in which AJ Dillon, I think, can play much better. He looks more spry this offseason. I told you the other day, like he made a cut in practice where I'm just like, I've never seen AJ Dillon make that cut in the past. So you're seeing him start to put some things together that I think he knows this is a contract year, he knows he needs to be more of a playmaker. He knows he needs to get on the second level more. So, I'm really excited about this season for Dylan and to see what he can accomplish and, you know, what that means long-term for Green Bay. That's going to be one of the really really intriguing 2024 free agency decisions as to what happens with AJ Dylan and really what happens with Aaron Jones as well. More on that in just a moment, but yeah, that, that this is a huge year for, for AJ Dillon, not only for a Packers standpoint and what he can bring to the team. And if he can give a little bit more of that playmaking ability, but for Dillon as well, uh, he's got, like I said, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to have the opportunity to hit the open market. And if he can go out and have a huge year this year, he can get paid in 2024, whether it be by Green Bay or some other team. So huge year for Dillon. And hopefully that translates to some big production on the field for the Packers running back. Patrick Taylor, much harder to discuss simply because we don't know where he's going to fall in the pecking order. Lou Nichols maybe just makes it because he's a draft pick. Tyler Goodson has made, you know, I think a splash already this, you know, offseason. He looks really, really good. So we'll see where Patrick Taylor ultimately ends up. I mentioned the other day in practice that fourth down catch he makes, just right spot, right time, no panic, gets his eyes upfield, picks up the first down. You know, sort of a lot of the things I just said about A.J. Dillon. Are appropriate for Patrick Taylor as well. Good runner, good receiver out of the backfield. At least he catches the ball well. Unlike Dylan or Patrick Taylor, are going to be running any you know choice routes out of the slot anytime soon. But they both catch the ball well out of the backfield. Both can pass protect. Both play special teams. So you see, like in Patrick Taylor, certainly like a you know C version of what AJ Dylan is. But they do a lot of the same things and bring a lot of the same things to the table. So. Very interested to see where this running back position shakes out, at least in that number three spot, and if Patrick Taylor can really get his name in that conversation, or if this does become a Lou Nichols or Tyler Goodson at that number three spot. But A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, the two at running back that are going to be you know, in need of a big season if they want that contract in 2024. All right, let's move to tight end and Josiah DeGuara. That same draft of A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon, second round, Josiah Deguara, third round, and then you have Tyler Davis as well, who will be an unrestricted free agent. I've mentioned already Tyler Davis looks better this offseason than I've seen him look ever before. What that translates into is your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea. Probably still tight end four with a shot to make the 53-man roster, but I do think he has a little bit of juice. He's right up there for in you know terms of blocking ability with any other tight end on the roster. It's not great, certainly, but like, at least he has some experience and he's willing to get his hands dirty and do some of the dirty work. Josiah Deguara, I think, is another really interesting one though. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was a huge fan of Josiah Deguara and, and what he brought to the table. I think he loved his Mercedes Lewis. I think he loved his Robert Tanyan. And I don't think he had a lot of leftover love for Josiah Deguara and didn't want to use him all that much. Now, I, you know, with, with Aaron gone, what does that mean for Deguara and how does that translate? Does he get more snaps at a true tight end spot? Does he get more snaps lined up in the slot? Does he get more snaps lined up at fullback? And I think all of those things are going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. We have seen him have some rapport with Jordan Love in the past, and there's a world in which these two rookie tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, we all want both of them to succeed at the highest of levels but we've talked about it before. Tight end's a really, really difficult position to pick up in the NFL. And if these two players have a tough time picking up the offense, or if they just really struggle with some of the basics of run blocking or pass protection, all of a sudden you could see Tyler Davis, Josiah DeGuara get a little bit more playing time than maybe we were expected. And again, I don't think anyone's hoping for that or saying that that's necessarily going to happen. But when you have two variables at that tight end spot that are rookies that we just don't know what we're gonna get, that can lead sometimes to the veterans getting a little bit more playing time. So we'll see how that works out for Josiah DeGuar and Tyler Davis. And if Tyler Davis even makes the roster, I think probably Deguara has a little bit of work to do to make the roster as well. I think it's very likely he makes the team and and I would expect him to, but I don't think that's a, a complete lock either. But that's going to be a very interesting group to see how that progresses through training camp, what type of snaps each of these guys gets through the regular season. And for Deguara specifically, former third round pick, if he can go out and have the best season of his career, I'm not saying that that's going to translate into some massive $10 million per year deal or anything like that. But he has money to gain if, if he can show that he can be a really good H-back, fullback, tight end, etc. If he can be that true cliche Swiss army knife on offense and do a variety of different things for you, you know, you're probably looking at what, like a B minus Kyle check at that point. And there's still value for that in the league. So I don't know that there, like I said, there's some huge crazy deal out there for Josiah Aguara, but it's certainly going to be better if he can go out and have a big year. And Tyler Davis, a more traditional tight end. And if he, like his his ascension to me, and that that might be a little bit strong for Tyler Davis so far. But there's a little bit of the same uh, Robert Tunyon sort of trajectory to him. Remember, Tunyon took a while, and not only in Green Bay, but remember he had a cup of coffee around the league. I think it was just, maybe it was just Detroit, maybe in one of their stop. I forget. But before he got to Green Bay, and Tyler Davis, same thing. I think they claimed him or just signed him after he got cut either one doesn't matter. You know, and then he gets to Green Bay. He's had a couple seasons now. And I think this is the year for him to potentially take that, you know, Robert Tunyon type jump when he really started to make an impact in Green Bay. If he can do that, there's a world in which Tyler Davis can get some money as well. So those two tight ends, a lot to gain, and we'll see what they can ultimately do this season for Green Bay. Offensive line, two really interesting ones, John Runyon Jr. and Yash Nyman. Let's start with JRJ, 25 years old right now only for JRJ. And you want to talk about a player who can push himself from anywhere between upper echelon, huge contract, one of the best guards, one of the best offensive linemen in free agency next year, potentially over $10 million, you know, $10 million per year. That's the ceiling for JRJ if he has a huge year. If he struggles and Zach Tom starts getting in the conversation of, you know do they need to start Zach Tom instead of JRJ or just doesn't have that consistency and really has a tough year? You're t- you're not talking about like a replacement level guard and maybe you know three four five million dollars per year. So there is a huge gap in what John Running Jr. can achieve this upcoming season just on how he performs. And I've I've told you guys I'm a huge J.R.J. fan. I think there is a very high ceiling still for him to achieve. The fact he's still only twenty five years old is huge. He'll be twenty six in his free agent year. And I think there's a lot more for Josiah, or excuse me, for John Running Jr., uh, to ultimately accomplish as a guard in this league. And if he can play at that Pro Bowl caliber level, like I said, I'm telling you right now, this is a $10 million plus per season player if he has that type of year. And that is a huge incentive for him. And if you start talking about that in those terms, if he starts playing like that, now you're talking about Bakhtiari at left tackle and, and his ability you know, Elton Jenkins at left guard. And if Runyon's playing that way at right guard, hopefully Myers can play at least better than he has the past couple seasons. We'll see what happens with Zach Tom and Yash Nyman at right tackle. But that really starts to solidify your offensive line that much more, give Jordan Love more time, more comfortability, give the running backs a better opportunity. So huge, huge season for JRJ, and I'm hoping he just goes out and crushes it, hoping he gets that huge contract deservedly if he has a huge season, and hoping that Green Bay can ultimately retain his services as one of the key pieces of that offensive line moving forward as well. And then that brings us to Yash Nyman, right? Yash still feels young, right? He still feels sort of like he's growing and, you know, has some work to do to become that complete player. He's 27 years old right now. He's going to be 28 as a free agent, but if he shows out and is the starting right tackle and plays really well, like that, that even like an average to solid to good starting right tackle, you could easily get in that nine to $10 million range for that. Even if he's like good. Just, I'm not talking great. I'm not talking otherworldly. I'm just talking like if he, he shows pretty decent at right tackle, there's a very big contract waiting for you in the current state of the NFL. So if he can go out and show that he's capable of being a true, legitimate, starting caliber right tackle that is helping you win football games, not just you can win with him, you but you can start winning because of him, that is a huge jump. And But also at the same time, for Yash, this is starting to get into that, you know, age where you really need to start showing that because if you don't do it this year, then maybe you get a one year contract from some team. And then the following year, you're 29. So that starts getting like, you're not going to get that long-term deal anymore. So this is Yash's best opportunity to show that he is a starting right tackle, that he's really good at it, that he can probably still swing to left tackle in a pinch if need be. And if he does, if he has that type of season, you're talking probably about a four-year, 10 plus million per year contract for him. So that's a real legitimate possibility for for some team to give him that if he hits the, the open market. Huge season for both JRJ and Yash Nyman across the offensive line. For Yash, it's going to start by him holding off Zach Tom for that starting right tackle position. I, I don't. I probably don't need to say the difference between a starting caliber right tackle and a guy that's a backup all season because he didn't cut it as a starter and, and Zach Tom gets that spot is going to be significantly different. So both of those players, a ton to gain at this offseason.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Edge rusher, really interesting here. Let's start with Rashawn Gary, right? He's a free agent, and I think that's going to be maybe the biggest thing between now and the start of the season, outside of training camp, preseason, etc. is... Does Rashawn get that contract before the start of the season? When does that get finalized? I think everyone's sort of been expecting that he's going to sign that long-term extension. It complicates things that he's coming off a torn ACL. I don't know how much it complicates things. I think Green Bay is still going to expect him to be one of the top edge rushers when he gets back from injury. And I think Rashawn Gary is going to be looking for that type of contract. I think, you know, Rashawn and his agent have to know that he is coming off a torn ACL. So that's going to limit that a little bit. And I think, If you're Rashawn and his agent, you probably want to go off of what he's done prior to the injury. If he all of a sudden comes back in week four or five and doesn't quite look like himself, that's going to limit some of that as well. So I would expect that this gets done in the offseason, but that's a really interesting piece to look at. I very much expect, as I've talked about in the past, that Rashawn gets a long-term deal in Green Bay. I don't think he is going anywhere at all, but an interesting one to keep an eye on nonetheless. I don't think... so. Long story short, I don't think there's a good chance that he necessarily goes into this season in a contract year because I think that deal gets done ahead of time. But one to keep an eye on, and if for some reason he does go into the season as an you know as a final year of his deal, unrestricted free agent this next year, that is going to be a massive season for Rashawn Gary and a real reason for him to put up some serious numbers to show, hey, I know I came off a torn ACL, but I am still that guy and you better pay me huge in free agency. So don't think it gets that far. I think that probably gets done beforehand, but that'll be one to keep an eye on. Then the other two, Justin Hollins and Jonathan Garvin, Listen, Garvin just needs to, you know, ultimately make a roster first and then go from there. But if he can have a nice season, that will certainly help him. Justin Hollins, a very interesting one. He's been a player who's gotten some first team reps with Rashawn Gary out so far. I still, even if he's here, you know, even if Rashawn's out, I still expect it to be Preston Smith, you know, um, Lucas Van and then probably Inigbare three and Hollins four. And if Gary is back, then Hollins is probably number five at best. If all of a sudden Brenton Cox has a huge training camp, then Hollins spot is in jeopardy. And I know he has a ton of snaps with the ones. We've seen that happen before. Ben Braden's a great example of a player who got a lot of time at, with the ones in OTAs and minicamp, and it didn't translate. Cole Van Landen's another. So this happens from time to time. Ray Wilborn, we talked about and so if it ends up happening where he got some snaps in the ones, it, it doesn't guarantee him a roster spot, but if he does make the roster and if he can have a really nice season and who knows what happens with injuries. And if all of a sudden he gets him, you know, himself in a good spot to get some playing time, this a player who's 27 years old, and this might be his last chance to show that, hey, I'm a really good player that is deserving of a really good NFL contract. So we'll see what he can do on special teams, see what he can do as a pass rusher, see what he can do setting the edge. But for Hollins and Garvin, it's going to start with just them making the initial 53-man roster to begin with. But if they're on the roster, they certainly have a lot to gain by playing well this upcoming season. Eric Wilson at inside linebacker, core special teams player. Don't need to do a deep dive here, but he is going to be 29 in September. One of the oldest Packers on the roster, as odd as that seems. And this is probably his real last like if he doesn't make the team, like he's just a journeyman the rest of his career, right? Forever along that might be might only get a couple more chances at best. If he makes the team and shows out and has another amazing season on special teams, like he did a season ago and shows that he can be a legitimate, good backup linebacker. Then all of a sudden, he's going to get another you know decent contract next offseason. So interesting season for him as well, especially knowing that he is going to be 29 in September and that he has to really show out or this could ultimately just be it when you start getting to that age in the NFL and you're sort of a journeyman NFL player. At corner, you got Corey Ballantyne, basically all the things I just said about sort of Eric Wilson, core special teamer, needs to make the 53-man roster, needs to show that he can be a capable corner, but he's still only 27, not quite that 29 years of age, but is another player, if you have a really nice season, if you can be that number five, six corner in Green Bay, be a depth piece at corner, but also play uh, you know, a role as a core special teamer, you're going to make it the next couple of years. And we'll see what he would ultimately do on the free agent market next year, if that were the case. But the bigger one here is Keyshawn Nixon. And I've talked about it. I don't know how many times now, but I think Nixon has the ability to be a really good star at that star position. And if he can continue to be a first team, all pro as a returner show that he can be a legitimate starting nickel corner and you know also continue to be a core special teamer maybe get a couple of snaps here or there on offense. The more he can show, the better. The fact that he's only still 25 years old is huge for him. He'll be 26 next offseason when he's a free agent. He'll be a true unrestricted free agent. I think a lot of teams were you know sort of taking a wait-and-see approach to say, like, hey, was that just a one-year flash in the pan as a returner that Keisha Nixon came out of nowhere, or is that legit? and now he's going to get a you know, chance to start at corner. I think Nixon bet on himself a little bit by taking just a one-year deal. And if he shows out this year, he is going to get paid paid next year as a free agent. And certainly Green Bay would love for him to have that huge year in the slot as that star corner as well. And of course, as a kick returner, punt returner extraordinaire also. All right. That brings us to safety where literally everyone is basically on a one-year deal. Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, Dallin Levitt, all on one-year deals, all on sort of like, who's going to step up and take this role sort of thing. Now, Savage has that guaranteed contract with the fifth-year option that Green Bay ultimately picked up. And he's still going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, though. Everyone else on that one-year deal, Owens, Ford, Moore, and Levitt. So we'll see who ultimately steps up and takes those starting spots. Savage, more likely than not to get one of them. Rudy Ford, Tavares Moore, Have been the ones rotating in with the other uh, at the other safety spot, but Jonathan Owens has got some time there as well. Dallin Levitt, not really in the conversation at all for that starting safety spot, but is a core special teamer. All those guys, one year deals, all of them have the opportunity to show out, grab a starting safety job, and really own it. And if they do, they're going to get paid potentially as a starting safety next year. If they don't, they're going to continue their journeyman career and have to try to latch on on a one-year deal with you know probably vet minimum for some team next year. So really big year for all of those guys, Savage, Owens, Ford, Moore, and Levitt. And then last but not least, you've got the punter, Pat O'Donnell, one year left on his deal he also has to go out and make the team first. I was really impressed by Daniel Whelan, as I talked about in yesterday's show and what I think he could potentially be as a punter, huge dude. He punt, you know, punted very well in the XFL and we'll see if that carries over. If any, like if there's any one spot that carries over from XFL to NFL, like it's probably punter kicker, right? Like, everything else like the, the level of competition changes and like uh, how do you translate to the NFL Punting and kicking it's basically the same if anything it should be better right because you're probably having a better long snapper in the NFL than you did in the XFL which is you know just gonna set you up for success better he's a good holder uh, he was in the XFL he's you know shown it this week you know handled a, a low snap uh, was able to get it down for Anders Carlson in practice so have been impressed with him but if he does not make it and Pan O'Donnell does You can punt in this league until, what, you're 38, 39, 40 years old? So O'Donnell still has some future ahead of him if he can show out that he's still a very good punter in this league. Now, I think he's never been a really good punter. I think he's been an average punter in this league, but there's still value there as well. Punting in Green Bay is no easy task. We'll see uh, what that looks like this year for either Whelan or O'Donnell, but he can certainly get himself another contract by having a nice year this year as well. And then the last, 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 but not least is, what, six players who are not... Free agents to be, but for all intents and purposes, are in a contract year. And that's Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Rizul Douglas, and Preston Smith. All of them have outs in their contract. Most of them, you know, post June 1st cuts, but all six of them can be released next year if Green Bay wants to go in another direction and get some ultimate cap savings down the road. All of those players, if they want to continue on the contract that they're on, or even if they do get released and they want to get paid by some other team, need to go out and show that they are still high, high, high high-end players in this league. I think a lot of them will. I think all of them are set up to have nice seasons, but there's going to be, you know, from those six, there's probably going to be a couple of those guys that disappoint, a couple that play great, a couple that play fine. In, it just it, you know depends who it is. I have high hopes for Jones, Bakhtiari, Clark, Campbell, Douglas, and Preston Smith. I hope all of them go ball the heck out. I hope all of them realize that if they want to continue to get paid at the level they're getting paid at right now, they need to have big seasons or they can find themselves released and can find themselves with lesser contracts from some other team next season. So not on one-year deals, not unrestricted free agents, but if they don't play well, they're going to get cut and they're going to have to find work on the open market. So Jones, Bakhtiari, Clark, Campbell, Douglas, and Smith in that conversation as well. So final tally of players that I'm keeping an eye on who are in contract years, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, Josiah Deguara, Tyler Davis, John Running Jr., Josh Nyman, Rashawn Gary, Justin Hollins, Jonathan Garvin, Eric Wilson, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, Savage Owens, Ford Moore, and Levitt at safety, Pat O'Donnell, and then the non-final year guys, but who are basically playing for their contracts as well, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Razul Douglas, and Preston Smith. A lot of guys a lot of players with a lot to play for this upcoming season, and hopefully that lends itself to those players playing really, really well for the Packers, earning those contracts, and hopefully staying with Green Bay for the foreseeable future. Hope all of them play like Hall of Famers. That would be just amazing. And would certainly set up Green Bay for success this upcoming season. That's going to do it for me today. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!